It's that time. The Sports Talker, presented by Allen Electric. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. We made it to the end of the week. I'm excited. You're excited. We're going to have a fun show today. We're going to have Pharrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football Championship, on to talk some fantasy football in the second segment. It's still fantasy football week. So we'll we'll throw out some hypotheticals. We'll talk some players to get you prepared for your draft. I imagine you're probably going to be drafting in the next week or two. So we'll uh, answer any questions that you have. Let us know. And I'm looking forward to doing that. There's also plenty of sports to talk about. Kentucky, Louisville, this, that. There's some news with UNC. So it should be a fun show. We're going to have... Five at five since it's Friday with also a little factor fiction as we do on Fridays. And I'm looking forward to it. joined as always by and with Trevor. Trevor, how's it going? I'm doing excellent, TJ. I'm looking forward to the little fantasy football talk later on. Yeah, we had our, our keeper discussion last night. And Will you be asking uh, Mr. Elliott about uh, his decision on between Bell or Brown? I well, it it already happened. Uh, but I'll 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 ask him about Joyke Bell, who's one of my keepers, unfortunately. Who uh, but, whose backup looked awfully good last night, by the way. Well, his biggest run was negated by a hold, so you can only look so much into that, right? <laughs> hey, it still happened. <laughs> I'm I'm just I, I'm trying to. I think it's going to be a running back by committee, but whatever. Anyways. Uh, so we came to a conclusion with the cheating gate that I talked about last week on the air, or maybe it was this week. Did you make him drink its spoiled milk? So we we had some other stuff we had to vote on. There were things that we needed to talk about as a league, some new rules. We talked about whether or not we wanted to expand to 14 teams, just some of your basic fantasy football talks, and we also announced our keepers. One of the things on the agenda was what was going to be the punishment for our league member who, if you didn't listen to the show, he tried to bribe me, the commissioner, which is a dumb thing to do, uh, with $100 to throw a playoff game last year so he could automatically make a money game. And the initial, what we initially said was he's going to lose a six-round pick, and that's that was going to be that. He didn't like it. He complained. He said he was joking, this and that. He wasn't joking. I can tell you, I, I know that uh, for a fact. But anyways, we said, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll let you make your case. I'm going to make my case if you say something that I disagree with. And then we'll let the league vote on what we think should happen to you. So he got up there. And man, the only thing he was missing, Trevor, was the waterworks. He talked about how he did send a text saying that he would throw or he was asking if he could throw the game for $100 to him. It was a joke. He wasn't being serious. He wouldn't have done it, but he can understand how him even sending that text looks bad. He never wanted to disrupt the integrity of the league. He's willing to make a punishment. He hopes it isn't a six round. Uh, he hopes he can push it. We can push it back to maybe a seventh or eighth or whatever we, we seem fit. So he was, he was pretty, submissive and he didn't admit guilt but he did admit to doing something but said he was joking so the league heard him out and i i simply said uh it was more than a text message we talked about it in the car i didn't feel like you were joking it's this is the most this is like a teenage drama tv show but uh for 
20-something-year-olds with their fantasy football leagues. Did, did he look like uh, Tom Brady? Did he act like Tom Brady looked in the sketch artist from the court scene? You know, he did. He kind of, he kind of looked uh, he looked in rough shape when he was when he was apologizing for what had happened. So the league, we're talking amongst ourselves. Some people say, just do the six pick. Who cares? Some people are saying, okay, maybe he doesn't deserve to lose a draft pick. Uh, we start talking about what you had said about how maybe he should have to it, it make it a physical punishment. He has to drink something. He has to do something, this or that. Somebody threw out, and I don't know exactly who it was. Do you know what Edward Forty Hands is, Trevor? Yes, I watched How I Met Your Mother. I'm fully aware of Edward Forty Hands. Okay, so somebody I am Hercules. Somebody would have threw out that he would have to do Edward Forty Hands during the draft. And you don't know what uh, Edward Forty Hands is? Is when you tape two forty ounce beers to somebody's hands, and they they can't use their hands because there's a beer in it and it's taped to them. And we said during the draft, he has to have Edward Forty hands. When he finishes the beer, we can talk about taking him off. Although he's going to have a tough time taking him off by himself. Especially after but two said, 40 ounces. Said, we'll talk about it, taking it off. And some people in the league said, that's not severe enough. What's the punishment there? Well, here's what I'm thinking, Trevor. There's a few things. One, he's not going to be able to write down his team, and he's not going to be able to cross off people that have been drafted. That is going to that's that's going to make things very very difficult for him, and, and he's trying to ask for people to be nice to him and cross off people on his cheat sheet and do this and that. Uh, we'll see. We also made a rule where if he drafts somebody that's already been taken, like we like we talked about when we said the people that we hate in fantasy drafts and this and that. If he if he tries to draft somebody that's already been taken, he's got to take a shot of fireball. So he's going to have to do. Those two things, and another punishment, and this is ho- hopefully this will happen. We're trying to get him uh, semi intoxicated to where maybe he makes poor decisions with the during the draft. You know the backfire of that though is later on in the season he's going to use that as a crutch complaint by being like, "Well, my team only sucks because I had to do Edward Forty Hands and I was completely sloshed." Which, by the way, doing making him unable to cross off players and stuff like that, that's almost kind of like a punishment to yourself and the rest of the league because you have to sit through all that. Well, if he does well, sit through what? You have to sit through him going, is that guy available? Is this guy out there? And then that's kind of a, more of a punishment on you as, mu- as more as it is to him, too, I would think. If he drafts, if he tries to draft a player that's already been picked, he's got to take a shot. So he's going to be pretty careful about who he picks. And, we, and we've got a clock, too. But yeah, I don't know. I just depends. I mean, what kind of? I mean, what if you do Edward Forty Hands with uh, whiskey in both hands? How about that? Then, he, then he'd probably die. Well, you know, I mean, that's it's a start. It's a steep punishment for cheating, though. I mean, it's, what I think, <laughs> what we, I think what we ended up doing is going to be good. One, he's going to be incredibly disorganized during the draft. True. I just he feel like that's a. I feel like that punishes you a little bit though, because then you got to put up with it's him. Not, it doesn't punish. It doesn't punish us. Okay. There's a dra- there's a clock where he has to make a pick in a certain amount of time, or else the pick goes to the next guy. Oh, and yes. if he if he throws keeps throwing out names, is this guy available? Is this guy available? Uh, then he's gonna have to keep taking shots. Okay. So he's not gonna do. How long is the clock, gonna, by the way? We we really don't have a hard clock. Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. We generally try not to do it. Just everybody pick in a short amount of time. But, man, people start getting furious when somebody takes a long time. So 
we and if that happens, then we implement a clock where we actually pull out a phone, do a stopwatch, and see. Generally, it's around two minutes. If you're still not sure after two minutes, then uh, everybody gets really steamed about about it, and uh, and people start yelling at you. So, so was his apology completely sincere, or was it more like Juliet Lewis in uh, in old school when she got caught by Luke Wilson? Well, obviously, I don't know that reference, and you knew, and you know, I wouldn't know that reference. You never seen old school? Uh, well, what, what part? Well, no, I have seen old school. What part? So when, you, when she when he comes home from San Diego and she's in the bed and the oh, kitchen apologize, she's like, "I'm really yeah, sorry," I, I, and she's I, smoking I need, a cigarette. I need, yeah, I need. I don't know the actress's names. Oh, I thought you. I thought yeah, Juliet Lewis. Is, uh, yeah, I think it's her name. The girl from uh, Natural Born Killers. Okay, well, I don't know that movie. Good but but no, it was a uh, it was a sincere it was a sincere apology. Uh, it really I almost I'm not just uh, I don't think he's a listener, or else he'd get pretty upset at me. But it, I almost thought he could start crying. <laughs> he uh, he really was apologetic for doing. Again, he he was you very adamant. Put that on Periscope, by the way. If he yeah, did, probably he was adamant that he was joking throughout the process, but he did apologize for it looking bad, and he could realize why the league would get upset about that stuff. Uh, so it was sincere. And this, uh, if I were him, after hearing this punishment, I might just say, okay, I'll just lose it. I'll lose a six-round draft pick. Forget it. <laughs> I don't care. Because this could end up being much worse for his team, for him, and... Uh, Losing a six-round pick in a keeper league is the equivalent of an eighth-round pick, and that's not – you could live without that player. He's probably not going to play for you that much. Well, can he hold but, his alcohol, though? I mean, will he get completely oh, sloshed yeah. by drinking two forty ounces? Oh, yeah. Oh, he can hold his alcohol pretty well, but here's the thing is we're going to we're gonna golf tomorrow afternoon, and then we're going to play – we're not going to draft till about 7. We're going to golf, and then we're going to play a lot of cornhole. That's when we're going to get the keg going. So he'll probably be drinking for anywhere from – three to five hours before the draft starts and he can't start on those forties until the draft starts. Well now, but is he going to milk him though? I mean, at the end of the draft, does he have still like one hand, one hand full of 40? I think he's going to try to drink them as quickly as possible. So he can try to use his hands. <laughs> Little does he know, nobody's going to help him get the tape off. So he's he's, not, he's not aware of that yet. You've been, you've been informed him of that, uh, that little piece of trivia. But if is really you really can't use your hands when you have two forty ounce beers taped to him. Uh, so he he joked. I, actually, I don't know if he was joking or not that he was going to wear swim trunks. So when he had to go to the bathroom, <laughs> I don't know if that was if he was I joking. Hope not, I hope you're not hosting the draft. It's not at my it's not at my house, and, and with all the construction and stuff going on here, it wasn't going to be here anyway. So yeah, I'm happy it's not here either. But we'll we'll do the draft outside. So. <laughs> Right. So now, that, now he's going to get arrested for uh, for uh, public indecency by sitting on the side of somebody's house with two forty ounces taped to his hands. Do you do you think that's a fair punishment? Uh, I think yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a clever idea. I, I'm interested to see what he, what someone actually looks like with two forty ounces taped to their hands, opposed to in a TV show sitting on a stoop. But uh, so I, I I think that would be. Uh, I'd like to see his roster at the end of the at the end of the night as well. Who are his keepers? We, do you know? He had the probably the best keepers in the league. So he had so he had three guys he was debating keeping. Jamal Charles, Gronk, and Arian Foster. Obviously Foster getting injured made that much easier yeah, decision. Keep Charles so he's got Gronk. Charles and Gronk, which is two of the better ones in the league. 
it's not a bad keeper. So he's got a nice little head head start with the keepers at least. Yeah, and he's he's one of the better owners in the league. Uh, he'll I'm sure well, he'll clearly be a, he's obviously devious. He is he is devious. He's made that much that much known. But I mean, how do we know this isn't the first time he's attempted collusion in the league? We don't. We don't. And, you know, and who no knows? one's going to admit that they were involved in it if they're still in the league. I mean, they're not going to after speaking essentially seeing what's happening now. And we don't know that there hasn't been a bribe that was accepted. I think you should go back in history and look at his track record in the playoffs and who he beat and look into this. I think we should get the NCAA committee involved. Uh, speaking of that, that's a great segue, Trevor. And before we get to that, I want to remind everybody, tonight is the grand opening of the brand new Beer Garden at PT's. They're going to have free brats from 8 to 11. Mention 1450 The Sports Buzz for free admission. Free brats, new beer garden, PTs, 8 to 11. Mention the 1450 The Sports Buzz, and you're going to get in for free. So you can get a free dinner, catch a show, just by mentioning 1450 The Sports Buzz. I'm, this is the first time uh, in, since I've probably been here that I can actually drop the name of where I work and get benefits from it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good deal. It hasn't that's worked a, at the bar with deal. the ladies before, but it'll work tonight. But you had mentioned that uh, we need to get the NCAA to investigate my fantasy football league. I'm sure that they would probably, if we got them to investigate, they might come back with a ruling before the season's over. Even that seems unlikely. So yeah. you, you heard what UNC did today, right? No, I did not catch me up. So North Carolina, they submitted, so they, they received their notice of allegation from the NCAA, what, about? A month ago, maybe maybe give or take a few weeks. And they had 90 days, I think, to reply. Am I not correct? And I, I yeah, think so I figured it, they would probably reply it, on the 89th. It was, it was August 18th they had to reply. So okay. 90 days, so about a month and a half uh, from now is when they received their notice of allegations. They had till August 18th to reply. So it's August 14th. Time is the clock is ticking for them to reply. And basically, after they reply, the NCAA looks at that. Uh, what they had to say, either North Carolina would say, yeah, we that, that looks about right. That's what we came up with, too. Uh, we'll wait the punishment. They'll say, Or they'll say, no, uh, we don't necessarily agree with that. We'd like to go through the appeals process on some of this, and, and it kind of drags out, which I'm sure they were, they, were, they were probably going to do anyways. To the point where everyone who's involved is probably either retired or dead. <laughs> yeah. So what they did today was they told the NCAA – Hey, it turns out there there's more. We we have more violations. We need to report. Uh, we need you to take into consideration these things as well. Send us a new notice of allegations, and then we'll th then you come back to us. So basically, they're almost hitting the refresh button on this entire process. And I wonder why they're why they're doing that, Trevor. Um, because they're hoping, looking back at what happened with the Miami situation, that uh, the longer they take to admit anything or accept anything, the NCAA will trip over their own two feet and screw it up, and they'll go away scot-free. Well, that's one theory. I, I don't. I, I think there's a much simpler reason why they're doing this. They're trying to just make the NCAA take as much time as possible, the maximum amount of time, so that when they're finished, when the NCAA's finished, it is going to be well, well too late in the process for them to give them a postseason ban for basketball the 2015-2016 season. That's exactly what UNC is doing. Well, why would UNC care about that? They're just going to throw their women's team and other sports onto the sword anyway to avoid punishment for the men. 
Isn't that what they do in North Carolina? They throw all the other sports into the fire to avoid the punishment for the basketball team? <laughs> well, they're, they're going to do that anyways, but they're also likely going to get it to a point where maybe we don't know exactly what UNC's punishments are going to be even after National Signing Day. So the football team also could get off scot-free here for at least this year. And But without a doubt, everybody knows UNC is going to be a top three team in the country. And they're returning everybody. Expectations in Chapel Hill are as high as they've been for over five years. And... The UNC is just trying to drag this thing out. So by the time it's all said and done, the NCAA won't have a choice to ban them from the 2016 postseason. Which to me, and and we and I need to see what these violations are. If there's something serious, if it's something actually big, then I'd say, okay, well, maybe UNC's not necessarily doing this just just to buy time. But if it's just small, minor violations, Trevor, if it's something like Louisville going to laser blaze. Uh, on the university's dime if it's little things like that then to me this is even this is just adding to the embarrassment that is the university of north carolina this is just showing that they don't give a crap about academics at all i think that was evident i think that was evident before this came to light at some point it shows that they're not even remorseful for what they for what they've done and that all they care about is their cash cow which is unc basketball and that would be humiliating for me if I was a UNC alum. Just take your punishment, whatever it may be. The worst thing that could happen was you is you get a postseason ban, and it seems the popular opinion thinks NCAA isn't going to do that. But now you're obviously scared of that potentially being a realistic punishment, so you go on and you buy yourself more time. This is this is humiliating for UNC. Well, more, it's not even if they can win a championship this year. That's the, the, that's their end game. That is their end game. And well, you know what would be really interesting, whether it be whether you know, is if they did win the NCAA championship. I don't know if interesting is the right word, but if they won the NCAA championship, and then when the NCAA finally handed down their punishments, they had a 2017 postseason ban. If you were a UNC fan, would you feel good about that, or would you feel slimy? I, I, I know the majority would probably feel good about it. Yeah. Slap hands and say, yeah, we got him. We got our title in before the punishment. But wouldn't that make you feel a little slimy? Well, I mean, it's kind of like it's what UNLV did back in 91 and 92. I mean, they, after going in the 92 season as repeat champions, as defending titles, they were caught do, you know, doing improper things and did the same thing. They just pushed it back and, and delayed it long enough so they could at least chance to play their – in the 92 tournament, of course, they ended up losing an undefeated run and lost to Duke in the Final Four. But they knew that that was Larry Johnson's senior year, George Ackles, Greg Anthony, Stacey Ogman. Those were all seniors that year. So they were like, well, let's delay it because we know after they leave, we'll be bad anyway. And that's what they did. And, of course, they brought Isaiah, Tom- Isaiah Ryder and company back in not too long after that. I mean, if you're North Carolina, though, why would you feel slimy? I mean, really, you've already now, as far as we know, have at least two, if not three, national titles over the last 20 years by cheating, by doing academic scandals, and they didn't feel slimy collecting those rings, so why would they feel slimy doing this to collect a ring this year? Obviously, they have no moral compass. I mean, and I can relate to that in some ways, but, I mean, so so why would they feel slimy this year if they didn't feel slimy in 2010 and they didn't feel slimy in 2005? Captain Arctic says, disgraceful and very, uh, it's blatant, pathetic for what was once a proud institution and you'd like to know what went on at Kansas with Roy he had the same academic guy there 
uh, there's a story there. And I'm sure there is a story there. And it is, we do live in a society where it's win at all costs. But maybe I'm wrong, Trevor. And I'm not even going to compare UNLV with UNC because you think of UNC and you think, okay, that's a, a, a good academic, that's a good place to go to college. If you have a degree, if you meet somebody and you're talking to somebody that has a degree from UNC, you're going to think that you're going to think highly of that education that they received. And also, you know, it's a very storied basketball program that goes without saying, but they're basically selling their soul for a chance at winning a title. And and while UNC is good next year, I, I I really do think Kentucky's better. I, I think Kentucky has a better team. Uh, you could maybe make a case that Maryland has a better team. I, I don't think they do. You can make a case that Virginia, you, you know, it's not like UNC is the clear-cut favorite to cut down the nets. That would make a perfect karma, though, if North Carolina does this and then they get beaten in, in the Final Four or in the championship game or something late in the tournament. It would feel better. Maybe not in the first round, even though that'd be even sweeter possibly for UNC haters out there and people who look at down at them for what the way they're acting and handling the situation. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I think they should have. I, I think we had this discussion, you know, t- two months ago, or whatever. When I said they should have, they should take a punishment. They should be take a be banned for postseason, if not this year, maybe next year, but at least get a ban. Honestly, the way this is going about, I really have a feeling when it's all said and done, the smoke clears. The men's basketball team walks away with nothing but barely any scrapes on their knees. Meanwhile, the football team will be facing its probably second punishment. The women's team will be putting on punishment for just probably being involved in the university. And they'll probably throw some other sport under the bus, like lacrosse or something, and as well to avoid any more punish, any extra punishment to the men's team. And, and supposedly the new information that North Carolina sent to the NCAA involves more info on women's basketball and men's, and men's soccer. It has nothing to do with basketball or football, but it's going to still delay the overall rulings. You, you notice okay. that's men's soccer, not the women's soccer team. North Carolina's women's soccer second only is, is second to the, ba- the men's basketball there. I, I thought UNC men's soccer was also competitive. It might be, but women's soccer is more well-known to me, I would think. I mean, they're, they're just more, I, one of the more I, dominant programs. Is. I think UNC men's soccer is also competitive, but it, but it doesn't matter. Well, I re- so let's replace lacrosse in my scenario to men's soccer because you got my point. <laughs> yeah, so it's just embarrassing. Uh, it really, really is. And UNC fans kind of used to, I guess, look down on Kentucky fans and think that they were smarter and better and more sophisticated. And and this, you know, doesn't necessarily change. Most of that, but how can you be proud of a university that is blatantly cheating and just trying to protect a chance to win a national title? Any, anybody looks down on somebody and, point, and points out the, the differences and how why they're below them or usually the person up top is as dirty as the one below. Yep, if not dirtier. We're going to head to commercial break. When we come back, more fantasy football talk, except we're not going to talk punishments and, and my keeper league like we did in the first segment. We're going to have Pharrell Elliott on. To talk, to talk players. If you've got any questions, send them on in. We'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. 
You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. We'd like to enter into the record a page from Michael Scott's personal journal. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing with my diary? This is Plaintiff's Exhibit no. 107. Hold, hold. I quote from an entry dated January 4 of this past year. Just got back from Jamaica. Tan almost everywhere. Jan almost everywhere. He he. Oh, diary, what a week. He cries, oh, girl, you must be mad. What happened to the sweet love you and me had? Against the door he leans and starts a scene, and his tears fall and burn and garden And so castles made of sand fall in the sea eventually. Tan almost everywhere. Jan almost everywhere. Back here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Want to remind you, as I do every day, that the Sports Talker with TJ Walker is brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentuckiana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. They'll do lights, whatever you need them to do. Give them a call, 636-HELP, for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. And it's Fantasy Football Week here on the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Nobody better to talk fantasy football with than Pharrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football Championship. Pharrell, I'm a commissioner of a league, too. Uh, It's only 12 people, and everybody thinks I do a bad job. Tell me a little bit about your duties as the Kentucky Fantasy Football Championship commissioner. Well, we used to have some guys uh, at the KFFSC that played that didn't think I did a very good job, and so I ran them off. So we've got four, about 400 players, which includes our beloved Trevor Bacon Kelsey, that will be joining us on Fantasy Football Weekend, 28th through the 30th at the Horseshoe Casino there in southern Indiana, and August 22nd in Cincinnati, and four or five drafts online, people from all over the country playing, people from all over the country getting on planes and flying to be in Louisville and Cincinnati. So we think you ought to play, too. You ought to come out and challenge Trevor a little bit. But, yes, we'll have fantasy football for you in the greatest way you'll ever play it. For somebody, including myself, which I I would love nothing more than to beat Trevor and something else, we do some contests here on the radio, and I generally get the best of them all the time on that. But if somebody wanted to get involved in the KFFSC, how could they do that? Call me on the telephone. That's the best way. The uh, website is K. F-F-S-C, that's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship dot com, K-F-F-S-C dot com. My phone number, 502-523-5057. Wait till we get off the air, but give me a call and talk to me about it. We're adding new players all the time, and our main event is still open and plenty of room for everyone. So this is a league for, if you think you're good at fantasy football, it's for you. This isn't necessarily for beginners. Actually, we do very well with beginners. We had, um, I have a guy, there's a good friend of uh, mine and Trevor's, Richard Bates, who never played fantasy football anywhere except under our roof. He's an intelligent guy, did his research, read the rules, and you know what? His head wasn't full of any junk. He hadn't been playing in basement leagues forever, so he was able to walk in, understand the competition, understand the level of preparation that he needed to do, and bang, he's won division after division 
in our event and has always done very well. So we're really open to all comers. Now, if you are a guy who likes to compete, for instance, golfers, they want to go out and play the toughest course because that's the most fun. Guys who play poker watch on television and look at some of the greatest poker players in the world and, and watch how they play their hands. This is exactly what we're doing here. If you want to be competitive and play against the best in the world, come and play at the Horseshoe at the KFFSC. Well, that sounds like a, a good deal. And uh, I know that, again, the draft at the Horseshoe, I heard it's a, it's a big spectacle. It's fun. And if you're a fantasy football, or if you're looking to get into fantasy football, I, I didn't know that it was necessarily friendly for beginners, but it sounds like any stage of your fantasy football uh, career, whether you're new or you consider yourself an expert, uh, you, you you've that's got a exactly good that. That's exactly right. We have guys that uh, are very welcoming. It's very much like a reunion. You know, last year we had players from 26 states. We got guys coming in here from Portland, L.A., Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta, Dallas. Uh, it's just it's a wonderful melting pot of guys that come here, and, and yes, everybody gets along, everybody has a very good time. Uh, Trevor puts fear in everyone when he plays. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just a really, really good time. And we're talking with Pharrell Elliott, the commissioner of the KFFSC. Uh, let, let me ask you some fantasy football questions. And sure. you, don't have to, you don't have to get into too much detail here, but give me your number one player at Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. For people that are drafting... Well, that's, that's easy. Aaron Rodgers is obviously the number one quarterback. My, like my favorite running back this year, because I think he's going to be be very uh, uh, very level and very even-killed, because he's going to have a chip on each shoulder, uh, and that would be Adrian Peterson. My favorite wide receiver... Uh, that I was able to draft last year when I played in Las Vegas because I don't get to play in Kentucky, so I have to travel to Las Vegas and play. That uh, My favorite receiver was Antonio Brown, but perhaps my favorite receiver situation is Julio Jones. Everybody's favorite tight end is Gronkowski. My favorite kicker is Goskowski. And uh, in our league, defense is very important. Trevor, write this one down. I want you to pair defenses this year, team defenses, Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Go look up the schedule. You'll enjoy having those two teams as your defenses. Interesting. I wouldn't imagine you saying Jacksonville on a defense to, to look out for. You know what? They, uh, they played very, very well. Um, they also, uh, sometimes their offense gets uh, so far behind in the game that the Opposition offense begins to run a little clock. They don't score a lot of points when they are. Uh, a lot of points scored against them. And uh, Jacksonville does get to run up against some rookie quarterbacks in that division. So does Indianapolis. And when the two play each other, you play Indianapolis. Interesting. Uh, let me ask you this, a little tougher question, not, not the softball that I started you out with. Who are some running backs – because running backs are always important in a fantasy league because there's only so many yes, good sir. ones and there's only so many starters that you could get away with maybe guys that aren't necessarily in a committee. But who are some that you could find in the the late second, the third, the fourth round, maybe after you get past LaShawn McCoy or, and DeMarco Murray? Who are some of those guys 
that are ranked, you know, maybe anywhere from 12th to 20th in the running back rankings that you that you feel good about this upcoming fantasy football season? Many many drafts will have, especially if you have uh, in your basement leagues. If you have six points for the quarterbacks, you'll see quarterbacks go in the first round. And that's something we don't do in high stakes football. But if that happens between those numbers, you'll see Matt Forte dropping. Uh, and, and I really don't know why you could enjoy getting involved with Matt Forte. If, if for some reason you don't like Matt Forte, just because he's not playing under the same coach, hey, that coach has moved to Baltimore. And Justin Forsett, who had a wonderful year, finally given the opportunity to play, one of my favorite blue-collar players in the in the league, looks forward to a big, big year there. I really, really like what you can get out in the desert with Andre Ellington this year. It's one of my favorite players. Uh, the running back Dunbar at, at Dallas is uh, not Dunbar. Uh, uh, what's what's, Randall, our, what's our starting running back at Dallas this year? Randall. Joseph. We want to look at John Randall out out in Dallas this year as, as a very very capable running back who will get uh, a number of carries. Joseph Randall. John Randall was a very mean defender. Joseph back. Randall. Yeah. Very good. Sir. Uh, so those are just a few guys to keep an eye on. This will be; these are some good, talented wide receivers that could go late second, maybe early third. If you had your choice between Alshon Jeffrey, T.Y. Hilton, or Randall Cobb, who are you going with out of those three? Very talented guys that that could have monster years. Randall Cobb is an easy pick. There, he's a, he's a very, very easy pick. Now, T.Y. Hilton and who? Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, comparing Hilton and Jeffrey, uh, good combination. In our draft, we'll find that Jeffrey will go in front of him and Hilton will go third to later third. And I think that uh, if what you're going you're going to get what you pay for. In uh, Jeffrey's case, he'll he'll play to the position that he's drafted, but you're not going to get a lot of bargain. Last year, T.Y. Hilton was a wonderful bargain. This year in the third round, especially with all the wide receivers and offensive skill, offensive uh, threats that they have in Indianapolis, T.Y. Hilton is going to basically have to give you exactly where you draft him. So you you're you're, um, you're not going to get an upside with drafting a T.Y. Hilton. Perhaps uh, a player that went uh, around where T.Y. Hilton did last year in the fifth round, uh, Golden Tate. Golden Tate, uh, two or three rounds later, may give you the same numbers that Hilton will this year. Interesting. I've been high on Golden Tate as well. And uh, Pharrell, I'm in a keeper league, and and it's 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 a very standard keeper league. You don't lose draft picks for who you... For the guys you keep, it's you can keep whoever you want at no penalty. You keep them, you've got them. You got to keep two guys on our team. Now I, I've talked about this on my show for a, a few days now. I sold my soul to make the playoffs last year. We have some penalties. If you, we we have some penalties if you don't make the playoffs. You have to buy a keg and this and that, and it's just wow. better off. To make, it's better off to make the playoffs. So I sold my soul and my team to make the playoffs. And my keepers ended up being Joyt Bell and Greg Olson. Easily the worst keepers in the league. I'm already behind the eight ball before the season even starts, and we're going to draft here in a few days. Uh, give me a sense of optimism for keeping Joyt Bell and Greg Olson, even if you have to lie about it. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you get to keep two <laughs> players is what you're telling me, and you kept Bell and Olson? I, those are my those are. Now, Trevor felt that I could have kept uh, – I, I had Dr- John Brown on my team, 
and he felt that I could have kept him and it would have been better than keeping Joyke Bell. I just thought I needed a running back. Bell can be efficient around the goal line. Uh, we got to watch out for Abdullah, obviously, and, and he's become this game last night. But is there any optimism for me or no? What, what spot do you draft in your Keeper League draft? So how we do our drafting spots is based on where you finished the last year. If you miss the playoffs, you're guaranteed to pick one through four. We draw out of a hat out of that pod. If you make the playoffs, yeah. you lose in the first round. You're four through eight. So I made the playoffs, lost in the first round, and I drew pick number seven. And so okay, I, I, so you're just you're having a roll of bad luck here. You're going to you're going to have to build your running back class. Uh, Abdullah will not fall to you at seventh. Uh, you're going to have to look perhaps out to the desert, out in uh, Arizona, perhaps get your hands on David Johnson. You're, you're going to have to hope that something can happen with uh, the San Diego running back, uh, uh, the, the kid from Wisconsin that, that is out Gordon. there because he, yes, Gordon, you're, you'll ha- you may have to hope for something like that. You may have to turn to... Uh, you may have to turn to St. Louis, but he'll probably be gone as well. These are some young players that are very, very exciting players. If you can snag one of them, you can save the situation. They'll be playing better late than they will early. Yeah, it. it I'm in a tough spot, and I know that, but uh, we'll we'll see. We've got the draft coming off. Maybe I can work some magic. Maybe I can I can scheme in some trades. Again, we're talking with Pharrell. Elliot, one more time, tell them how they can get involved with the KFFSC. Give them the number they can call. Give them the website. and Because uh, I think everybody should join if you consider yourself a fantasy football player or if you're looking to get in a league because this is the big time. It's the best $300 you'll ever spend. Our grand prize is $7,500. Our top five finishers get a bid to play in Vegas next year for a shot at winning $300,000 included with additional cash prizes. Uh, in, in our divisions, there's $1,600 of winning. Trevor, his good friend Say Price, are noted winners over the years, and as Say will actually be headed to Las Vegas uh, with a ticket to draft out there this year. The best way for you guys to get involved is to call me. Time is a wasting. It's very, very precious. You can call me at 502 523 5057. That's the best way to get involved. Like us on Facebook. Our website is kffsc.com. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and best of luck to you this fantasy football season. I hope to see you over there, and Trevor, I know I'll see you over there bright and early on Friday night, the 28th. That sounds like a great time there at the Horseshoe, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, And that was our man, Pharrell Elliott, who's the commissioner out there. Uh, always great to talk some fantasy football. I've heard a lot about his expertise. Trevor saying I had to get him on the show, and I'm glad that I did. And, again, the number to call there is 502-523-5057 if you're looking to get in. Uh, it, it doesn't look good for me, Trevor. I was hoping that he'd say, you know, it, it'll work out. He he had no uh, didn't have much positive spin for me, did he? I, I asked him off the air before I brought him on, and I didn't tell him the situation. I said, uh, Ferris, a quick hypothetical question. He's not a big uh, trade guy. We don't. There's no trades allowed in the camp of SC because it's uh, the size of the league and, and how it, it plays out. But I asked him. I said, uh, if you had a choice in a, in a non lose non draft pick loss keeper between Joyke Bell and John Brown, who do you keep? And he's like, Oh, John Brown. 
And I was like, okay, that's all I want to know. Put you on hold. <laughs> I, I just, I think I, I dis, I disagree. Running backs are more valuable. But here, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, TJ. You, you're how many people in your league? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so if everybody just and we know that not everyone will, but if everyone kept their top two running backs, that's still twenty four running backs. At least six starters still out there. No, no, but there's running backs by committee and and all that junk. And I know I've got I'm going to end up having one of those in a committee with Joyke Bell, but he's a guy that's going to be able to score touchdowns. And we value touchdowns in this league. If he were able to score a touchdown and and you know even have a bad game of maybe rushing for thirty yards, that would still put up close to ten points for our league. Which you know he that wouldn't be a stinker. That wouldn't be a stinker of a three point game that could really hurt you. So I, I, I'm fully aware that Joyke Bell is just going to be a side piece for me that I hope can amount to something. But I've kind of talked myself into him. I could get John Brown in our draft in the Later probably, round. in the fourth round, yeah. which would be the equivalent of the sixth round. So uh, Joyke Bell, I would imagine, in our league, would probably go late second, which would be the equivalent of the late fourth round. So... Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have much of a choice. I will but. say, yeah, I was gonna say, I will say this in your defense: you are picking between which turd looks better. So, I yeah, mean, you're, it's not. It's you're, you're almost in a no-win situation a little bit. Well, while we while we've got ten minutes till five, instead of making a commercial break right now, you want to talk UK's linebackers? Uh if you can give me about six seconds to uh, load something up. You- I can give you as much time as you need. Actually, I don't need any more time. You ready? I'm ready if you are. Let's do it. Disarm. Ready to throw about 2,000 yards next fall. Deep right side line. Got a man. 25, 20. We got a touchdown, Kentucky. Garrett Johnson. And let me tell you what. You're looking good. Floats it up the far sideline. Catch made. Javis Blue across the 45. Gets the block. Cuts left at the 50. Look out. He's across the 30. He's across the 20. He's across the 10. Five. Touchdown, Kentucky. 13 starters coming back. 22 little men. Kemp straight ahead. Touchdown, Kentucky. Looking tough. His squad is in the house. Yes, Steps up in the pocket. Slides right at the 10. Sacked. Zadarius Smith. Let's open up the whole can of kick ass and kill them all. Let the paramedics sort them out. Thomas throws far side. Intercepted. Uh oh. Down the far sideline. It's Marcus McWilson. Pick six. Touchdown, Kentucky. How's this song not get you pumped up, by the way? Well, I'm pumped. Is it football season yet? I mean, if you're not thinking of CM Punk when you hear this, you're just getting pumped anyway. Oh, I'm pretty – I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, Today, we're – yesterday, we talked defense line, spent a lot of time on it. We won't spend as much time on the linebackers, although we probably could. Uh, Another interesting position for – for Kentucky football, Trevor. I wish I had a different segue to start these position series. I wish I could say – well, we don't have to worry about UK's so-and-so, or we know UK's going to do this, or UK's going to do that. We haven't been able to do that just yet, and we're not able to do that with the linebackers here. Uh, we're going to see a lot of 3-4 out of Kentucky, so you're going to have four linebackers. That's going to include Jason Hatcher, who will it will not include in the first two games as he's going to be suspended 
for some violations of team's rules, and, and there's some rumors and speculation going on out there. Puff, uh, that puff you, pass. That you could probably guess for yourself of what he did. Uh, he's been in trouble with it in the past. Seems like all those Trinity kids... You know, is that maybe a coincidence that they're doing drug testing at Trinity now, Trevor? Yeah, you make the same kid wear the same outfit and a shirt and tie every day for four years. You're gonna make. You're gonna. You're gonna force them into drugs. But there are uh, there are some there's options for Kentucky at linebacker. Uh, obviously, Josh Forrest really showcased himself as a guy that could be a playmaker heading in to this season. Uh, Jason Hatcher, the coaches, although they're probably really upset with him, they've been raving about him on the field. Uh, they're saying that he's really taken steps and, and he's going to be a real player. I think this is, and this might not be, this might not be a bold statement by any stretch of the imagination, Trevor, but UK's linebackers is probably the most solid part of Kentucky's defense. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, well, and that, you know, that's a, that's a fair question in itself, but I, I don't think, here's the thing. As long as a position isn't a weakness, as long as it can be competitive with, the, their competition, and I think UK's linebackers are competitive, uh, a competitive unit in the SEC. Then it's a good thing. It's a bad thing where okay, you're at a major disadvantage, and I don't think UK's linebackers are. Are they the best linebacking core in the SEC? No. Are they even in the top half? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think that they're not going to hurt Kentucky as a unit. Where maybe when we talk the defensive backs on Monday. You know, we're, we'll we'll change our tune, but I think you do have some playmakers again. I I don't worry about Jason Hatcher at all, uh, Josh Force. You don't worry about at all, and then you have two other positions where you do have bigger question marks. And, and can Ryan Flanagan, who was recruited by Oregon, was told if he went to Oregon he could play right away? Does he take that next step as a JUCO uh, in his last year and, and maybe make himself uh, a a guy that could be drafted in the NFL? Khalid Henderson, also a senior. What can he do? Uh, you have Kobe Walker, who's been injured. So, you know, what do you expect out of him? Denzel Ware, a guy who was redshirted that the staff was really high on. And then Jabari Johnson, who also is a senior. Those are some of the question marks. Why well, I think Jason Hatcher and Josh Forrest, you don't have to worry about anything. You also have Dorian Hendricks. Nico Ferrios uh, also is a, another guy that redshirted. A lot of redshirt freshmen, Trevor. And those are wild cards in college football. They, they take a year off. They get their body right. They get a, adapted to the speed of college football. And they could either come in and, and become a household name, or they don't have big seasons. They don't have a lot of opportunities. And you, you slowly but surely start moving them over to the bus pile, although after one year it's too early to call somebody a bus. But there are question marks here, and some of those, and a lot of those guys are redshirt freshmen. But again, you do have sure things in Jason Hatcher and Josh Forrest, so that's a start. And I will say this, at least in terms of most of the positions we've talked about, and at least to this point, because the secondary will also kind of fall into this, the back seven does in general. The linebackers is the most, at least upper-class and returning level of players. I mean, when you talk about experience coming in, especially on the offense, where we talked numerously about sophomores and freshmen and redshirt freshmen, and occasionally there was a junior sprinkled in there periodically, but not too often. And yesterday was the defensive line as well. You had Melvin Lewis, and a lot of it was mostly talk of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores, and guys that are going to get their maybe their first chance in linebacking position. I mean, statistically, you have your best returning player in Josh Forrest, Forrest obviously the middle linebacker. But with Hatcher gone for at least two games, I mean, it's, normally you would say, okay, it's no big deal because you play probably two 
cupcakes, so to speak, in the first two games. But Kentucky, I mean, they obviously, I know you're going to laugh when I say that, you know, you have Louisiana at the beginning, who does have a solid running game, so that Hatcher not being there can be a problem. Not being there can be a problem. And of course, you play at South Carolina in week two. So obviously, not having one of your best defensive players is going to be a problem. So who fills in for that? You mentioned Kobe Walker. Also, the biggest question I have with the linebackers is when you do a 3-4, and we talked about this yesterday, and I talked about Matt Elam being that that space filler and the defensive linemen being more so space fillers when you run a 3-4 in terms of the, in terms of going against the pass. And that means your linebackers, your outside linebackers in this scenario, are more so your pseudo-pass rushers. Jabari Johnson listed right now, I'm looking at on the depth chart, is the number one guy at the outside linebacker line with Ryan Flanagan. Can these guys get to the quarterback? Can they put pressure on the quarterback and be beneficial of the guys like Matty Lillum and, and Melvin Lewis and, and Reggie Mint taking up that space in the front line? Because if they don't, they don't get to the quarterback, well then tomorrow we're going to have a long discussion on how the secondary gets burned a lot and, and gets burned more time than Jason Hatcher was burning. Well, let's let's make it very clear. The loss of Jason Hatcher is significant, and it's selfish on his part. At some point, you do have to you do have to grow up, and and I'm not. But talking we know about it's there, so we have to move on and, and think about how it is with life without him for two games. I mean, it's it's done. What's done is let's, done. Let's be very let's be very clear that losing Jason Hatcher for Louisiana Lafayette doesn't change anything. Kentucky still beats them by thirty points. So so don't don't try to act like losing Jason Hatcher is going to hurt Kentucky's chances to start the year one and zero because that doesn't matter. But for South Carolina, we can't state enough how big of a loss that is. It is huge, and especially with Kobe Walker potentially having some issues. But here's the deal: even even with Jason Hatcher, who had a who had a pretty good year last season. Uh, Kentucky is going to have their leading tackler back in Josh Force. And that's on a team that featured two NFL draft picks, one a first-rounder and Bud Dupree. Uh, Josh Forrest had it, almost 40 more tackles than Bud Dupree. And that's a big deal because middle linebackers are very key position in the 3-4, obviously. Yeah, and, and you know linebackers probably should on most teams get more tackles than defensive ends, but these were debatably some of the better defensive ends Kentucky football has ever seen, and, and Josh Forrest just killed them in overall tackles. Fourth in overall tackles, Ryan Flanagan. He's yep. back. If you want to go to six, you got Khalid Henderson. He's back. So you do have some guys that have some that have a lot of experience in playing at a level where not only do they just have the experience of playing, being on the field and 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 knowing what to expect, but they have experience of having to be guys to make plays, having uh, being guys that have made stops. And this is what I've I've mentioned, I guess, every day, Trevor, that we've done this player position series. Experience and, and returning guys, that's a good thing, but returning bad guys isn't necessarily a good thing. And anytime I, I talk about UK's defense and even the linebackers, but certainly the secondary as well, I just remember that run from Mississippi State where he broke 12 tackles on one play. And a lot of those linebackers that we're talking and speaking very highly of right now were on the field then. So you do hope they can just be better. They have to, they have to, I trust them in knowing what to do. Uh, understanding Stoops' system and DJ Elliott's system and and, and making this permanent, well, it's not really even going to be a permanent switch to 3-4. So all that I don't think is going to be an issue. But is the talent level there, or are we going to get fooled uh, with trusting these guys to to be able to make up some ground from where they were last year? My 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 end analysis is I think they do. They're, they're not going to be the issue of this Kentucky defense. Maybe the defensive line, like we talked about yesterday, doesn't. Maybe they're a year away, like we hinted at. 
Maybe the secondary is a year or two years away. Uh, we'll talk about that on Monday. But if this Kentucky defense struggles and is as bad as it was last season, and remember, in their last six games, six-game losing streak, gave up an average of 44 points in those losses, only one out of uh, only five out of those six teams, only one didn't score at least 41 points. Uh, that's not good. So if that happens again this year, it's not going to be the linebackers' fault. That, that's my analysis. That doesn't mean they're going to be awesome. Doesn't mean you're going to have several draft picks in this unit. But I, I do think as a as a unit, they're solid. As a as a core, they're a good group of guys. Something you can build on. Something that's not going to hurt your defense. And I agree. And I think especially the fact that like you like I said that you're starting looking at starting three out of four seniors at, at the positions. And when Jason Hatcher does return, you're talking about four upperclassmen, one junior being the only exception. So, I mean, the experience, and even though, yes, you're right, if you bring somebody back, doesn't matter if the guy sucked a year before, bringing back somebody that sucks doesn't really make it a plus. But I don't think that's the case with this. I think I like Josh Forrest and, and Flanagan. I think those guys can both play. And I I think the linebacker core will be a nice nucleus for this team, and more so because I think the defensive line plays better this year. I, I, I trust him. That, thinking well, Matt Elam can be what I compared him to yesterday with Melvin Lewis, and because of that, Man, that makes life so much easier on them linebackers in a 3-4. Like, like we said yesterday, yeah. If they get that push, it, it opens up everything for the linebackers and even the secondary. Oh, again. yeah, secondary especially because they're not good enough to be able to be stuck on an island longer than they have to be. They can, like, they, they can, they can take advantage of, of quarterbacks making quick decisions because they're under pressure. Yep, I agree 100%. We'll talk cornerbacks on Monday. We're going to head to commercial break. When we come back, we're already past five. Uh, but we'll, we've got five things to say. Trevor will tell me if it's fact or fiction. Uh, and it's Friday. So you know we're going to do that. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Olympics are in Vancouver. Is that British Columbia? Well, Pam, there's really only a few things you need to know about Canada. There's Newfoundland and Labrador, Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. Prince Edward Island's very small, but British Columbia tops them all. And that's where Vancouver is. But before I finish up my story, you should know the territories. There are only three, so I'll be quick. The Yukon, Northwest, and Nunavut. If you want to have a ball to Saskatoon and Montreal, and if you want to pack your sacks, we'll be going off to Halifax. And if you're looking for a wife, be sure to visit Yellowknife. Natural resources! Perennial geraniums, nickel zinc uranium, are filling up my cranium, the exports that they boast. Keep going? Nope. No. Please. We're good. Thank Ingrates. you. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Oh, man, look at my life. 24 and there's so much more Live alone in a paradise That makes me think of two Love lost such a cause We're back to 1450, the sports buzz. Sir, you, you've stumped me. I have not heard that quote before. 
the, the, the Canadian rant? I have not. I've seen every office. Is that from a blooper scene? You know, honestly, I don't know. I found it. Uh, there, I, I have about five or six different wave sites I go to that they just put clips up from movies and television shows. And uh, I found it on one of those sites. I don't. And I, I honestly, I don't remember the episode it's from either. But I thought it was kind of funny. It was in typical Dwight, so I, I downloaded it and put it in the uh, in the folder for future reference and. Yesterday I was like, well, I'm, and you didn't. I've got an Andy one too. We didn't use today. I'll save for next week. And I was like, well, I've got an a, I've got an Andy. I've got a, you know, I've got a Michael Scott. I need a Dwight today, and that was so. I just went with that one. That's that's got to be from a blooper reel because I would definitely know that, and I've never heard that before, and it was wonderful, and I'm glad you played it. Now you're that's wonderful, but you apparently have beef with my outro music today. The yeah, the outro music is terrible. Is that, is that you playing something or me? That was you. Of course, it was you. It's always you. It's. I, I don't think it was. It's nowhere. No, it's got to be you because I don't have the the computer that plays music is turned off right now, or at least muted. I'll say that much. Well, whatever. But do you, uh, you don't like the Drew Hill. Uh, I have to give a little bit of credit to Yates on this one. Hey, we were talking some music, and uh, he mentioned that Drew Hill, one of the better R and B bands from the early nineties. We'll be uh, playing a free concert at the fair next a week from today, and I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm going Drew Hill today on the show." You know Drew Hill probably more so for, uh, and I'm not. Don't please confuse him with the former wide receiver of the Houston Oilers, but you know Drew Hill probably for Cisco, their lead singer, more more so, who went solo oh. and did the thong song. Yeah, that's a that's a great song. <laughs> I could have gone with the thong song, but there's at least four or five good Drew Hill songs out there. So, speaking oh. of which. That's some good music, remind, man. I don't know what you're wrong. I've got I've got to remind you all that brand new, grand opening, beer garden, free brats, 8 to 11 PTs. Mention 1450 of Sports Buzz. Get them for free. But you'll hear some Drew Hill there that night. I bet you probably would. I bet you probably would. Uh, that's, a, that's a hell of a deal a PTs doing tonight, and you can get all that. Brats and admission free just by mentioning 1450 the Sports Buzz and check out their new beer garden. That sounds like Trevor, that sounds like a good way for you to spend your Friday night. There's nothing better than the three B's booze, brats, and babes. <laughs> Have you trademarked that yet? Patent pending. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get into it. We're running a little bit behind. Five thoughts for Friday at five. Really closer to five fifteen, but that's okay. There's two fives in that one, so it counts. All right, Trevor, so I'm going to say something. You're going to tell me if you agree or disagree by saying fact or fiction. If you disagree, you're going to tell me why. And then the fifth one is you, and then we, we, we switch roles. So number one for me is Hard Knocks started this week, and they're, they're with the Houston Texans. They need a Hard Knocks equivalent show for every major sport and college basketball and college football. And I know Notre Dame's getting their Showtime show, which is going to be similar they need to they need to do it for college basketball rotated around college football rotated around keep doing hard knocks on the NFL do something for for the NBA hell and I, do something for MLB I'll probably watch that too cuz hard knocks is awesome uh that is fiction and it's fiction because hard knocks is was awesome and is no longer awesome uh did I have I watched this year's no and should I maybe be uh, not saying it's stupid because I haven't watched it maybe not but you know what the last couple of years have been so bad that I don't want to waste my time with this year's. The first couple of years, it was a great idea. It was it was cool. It was clever. It was new. Now it's just gotten old. And yeah, maybe doing other sports could be something interesting. 
But let me ask you a question. Did you watch the Miami Marlins spring training one that they did on Showtime? Probably not, because no one did. Well, I mean, probably because it's on Showtime. Well, maybe so, but it was still a hard knocks version of baseball, spring training-wise, and no one watched it, and no one cared about it. Maybe it was because of the Marlins. I don't know. But no, I, it's it's gotten so... It's gotten watered down over the last couple of years to me, and Hard Knocks has, and has gotten just less and less interesting, and gotten more about pointing out caricatures and players that really have no. That I don't really care about seeing, and so therefore, no, I say fiction to that. Now, I, you're you're off base there. Hard Knocks is still awesome. I don't I don't know. They they touch on everything. You you got to see the moment that the head coach found out that Arian Foster was going to be out and needed surgery. I mean, that's just, it's awesome. You don't get that anywhere else. They need to do it for every sport. UK did that ESPN show uh, that that leading, sadly, to an NIT year. That was pretty cool, too. Uh, inside looks are fun, and, and more teams need need to do it. Uh, number, number two, Louisville's not going to be very good at basketball this year, Trevor. <laughs> And I, you know, I and I had said just yesterday, I'm not going to make any major assumptions one way or the other on this Puerto Rico trip. But and this isn't necessarily just off the Puerto Rico trip. I guess it, that has helped a little bit. But you've got a team that I, I think at times is going to struggle scoring. I, I really I really do. You're not going to get much scoring inside to begin with. And then it comes down to it. Damian Lee is going to be Louisville's best player. And while I think he's good and can be really talented, if he hadn't transferred, he would just be another dude on Drexel that nobody knew about. And would he have led Drexel to the NCAA tournament? At best, maybe. But even then, they would have been one and done because he's just a he's a he's an okay scorer that you know maybe should have gone to a better team where he wouldn't have to be the focal point. I, if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm really worried heading into basketball season. Uh, I say fiction, uh, but I think some fans may. It depends on what the perspective from a fan, each individual fan is, of what a good season is. So it may vary, but in my eyes, I say fiction. One, I think uh, the Puerto Rico trip may be putting a uh, damper on the the, uh, expectations or the thoughts of what might be a a good team this year. I think it still will be a good UofL team. I don't really look at this Puerto Rico trip as any kind of of expectations of what I'm going to see this year. A little bit maybe, but I'm not going to see as much David Levich and, and other walk-ons play like they've been playing in this trip and probably the regular season very much, at, very rarely at all. So I say fiction because I think this will be still a solid season. Now, if your expectations of a good season are making the Elite Eight or Final Four, maybe then, yeah, you would say fact to that. But I don't think just necessarily going to the Final Four means you're having a, a, a bad season if you miss the Final Four. How did you who who said that Louisville was gonna make just miss the Final Four? No, I'm but saying if, if you, I kind of lost, lost your train of. Well, I'm uh, saying if you're a fan and you're going anything short of a Final Four run in in a year is a bad season, then yes, that is a fact to them. But I don't think this team may not be at this point right now looking at it a Final Four team. But I think there is improvement there, so therefore I think fiction. I think this could be still a solid season. We just don't know yet. Oh well, okay, fair enough. So you're two, you're two. We're disagreeing here today. <laughs> yeah, more. I disagree it, more on the hard knocks thing. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why you still want to watch that crap. Hard knocks is great. Last uh, year's was I, I, so bad, though, man. The one with the dolphin. What was what was last year's? I think. Well, last year's was who was it? I forget now. The year before no, was the dolphins, and it was just putrid. No, it wasn't. It oh. was it was fine. 
It was. It, they spent too much time just trying to bring in Chad Johnson back. It now was, you're really bugging. Now you're really bugging me about who last year was. <laughs> I can't remember. That's how little. Oh, I was the Falcons. That's it was the Falcons. You're that right. That just popped in my head. I didn't even look it up. Uh, yeah, I had no desire to watch that. Yeah, the the Falcons was okay. It was it was interesting. I mean, I will yeah. say this: I call me a hypocrite if you want, but if it is if they do it with the Eagles, I probably will watch every episode. But that's the well, only exception. Yeah. That's that's okay. I, I I could understand that. All right, moving on to to number three here today on on a on a Friday. Uh, lots to talk about. I, I there's one that I wanted to say, but I was told that I'd already said it. Uh, let, let me make this one. This is this is kind of going back on what I said yesterday. I'm changing my mind on my Avante Bell stance. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a major contributor. After I had uh, just just is just 24 hours after I had said that he would be the wild card for me. But after I had said yesterday that I thought he was going to have a significant impact, somebody close to UK football that listened to the show texted me and said uh, he's out of shape. He's a little bit behind. He he doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to be clicking for him just yet. And I had said that I thought maybe it was going to be a while before he reached his potential. Maybe four, five, six games into the season. I'm backing off that stance, Trevor. Uh, so my my number three for Friday, five for Friday. I am. Uh, I, I think Avante Bell is going to have a minimal role on this Kentucky team. Uh, I don't even remember you talking about Avante Bell. I must have blew. I must have uh, <laughs> zoned out during that segment of yesterday's show. Uh, I will say fact just to make you feel good about me agreeing with you one time. You did agree with me one time. That does make me feel a little bit better. All right, heading into this weekend, Trevor, obviously I haven't been shy about my fantasy football draft. I'm excited about it. I have a feeling, and this is number four for me, I'm going to get a good running back that I'm happy with at with the seventh pick in the draft. And again, it's a keeper. The best running back available, I want to say, is LaShawn McCoy. After him, Jeremy Hill. After those guys, I'm going to get a good back, whether that be uh, Latavius Murray in Oakland, Lamar Miller. I'm going to get somebody good at seven. I, I just know it. Uh, fact. I, I don't. I, I, that's kind of a soft fact because I don't know who all the people that are being kept uh, and maybe who's in front of you, who they would draft. For example, if one of the six teams in front of you kept two running backs, although they're not going to draft a third running back for their first round, so that bumps a guy down one more spot and closer to getting to you. Uh, there's too many. There's, I think you've underestimated the depth by key, uh, running back in this league by keeping Bell. Therefore, I do say, fact, you will get a good running back at seven. You might not even have to take your first running back at seven, depending on how. If you, I'm assuming you do serpentine, so you would get a pick five picks later, six picks later, yep. or whatever. So you might even have to be able to take a top-notch wide receiver if available at seven, even grab another running back in the second round. Yeah, that's you know if if a guy like Cobb is there, you know even even possibly Alshon Jeffrey or you know I'm gonna have some. I would think those guys were kept. I mean, no, they weren't surprisingly. Well, who the hell did that guy have on his team that he didn't keep Randall Cobb? Uh, He 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 kept Demarco Murray and Aaron Rodgers. He should have kept that. Uh, I listened to Mark. No, you, that was a bad move. He should have kept Randall Cobb. DeMarco Murray, I like DeMarco Murray, but he's going to split a lot more time in Philadelphia than people expect him to. I mean, they're, yeah. they're getting, listen, Ryan Matthews, I know, does not always stay healthy. I get that. But you also got Sporles as well out there. They're gonna, he's not going to get the amount of carries that he got last year in Dallas or even probably that Sean got last year with Philadelphia. I promise you that. 
Yeah, I, I really I hope nobody in my league's listening to my show. I really want Joseph Randall. I might I might splurge for him and get him try to get him second round. He's a guy you could snag in the second round. I, that that's an example of a guy that that you could get in the second round. Even maybe I don't think Jeremy Hill would fall in the second round. But no, he'll it, you know he'll go he'll go top three. Well, probably. But if he does, then you could maybe even grab a Giovanni Bernard, probably second or third round, and that's probably not a bad one because I'm promise you, they're going to use Jeremy Hill a lot. But Bernard still, especially in a PPR league, is going to be very valuable. Uh, I I agree. Hill's going to go early before. Uh, okay, but what? That's, by the way, Jeremy Hill's my keeper in my in my keeper league. Nice. Uh, what's here? That's four for me. You get the fifth one, Trevor, on this Friday. Let's hear. What's what's on your mind? Uh, fact or fiction? Comparing John Calipari to Sonny Corleone is a bad thing. <laughs> it, it's not supposed to be a question. It's supposed to be you make an opinion, and I I. Well, tell that's you. what I'm saying. I'm saying fact. It's comparing him as a bad thing. Am I right or wrong at that? You consider it not an insult? Uh, I would uh, explain yourself. Explain yourself, because it, it kind of just seems like a stretch, but explain yourself. Well, by comparing him, being in a bad thing, by comparing him to Corleone, you're basically calling him a crooked gangster who will do anything, break the rules, and do anything to be take advantage of a victory. Somebody on PTI called him a gangster yesterday, but in a good way. <laughs> okay, so is it a good or – so I'm saying fact. It's a bad – it's an insult to compare him to Sonny Corleone. Is, am I right or wrong? Fact or fiction? Uh, I would say it is a that's a bad thing to compare him to that. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that gets gets things done, uh, but you know he was a he was Sonny was a criminal. I don't think John Calipari is a criminal, <laughs> so I, I would say fiction. And I'm a little disappointed with your with, with your factor fiction. Oh, for, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here, here's 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 option B, fact or fiction. In seven weeks, you will definitely regret not keeping John Brown over uh, Joint Bell. Fiction. May I, I, well, maybe. You know, you know, it's certainly debatable. It's something we're gonna we're gonna look at the entire season. I'm sure, knowing how you hold on to things. Uh, but I say no. I'm excited about Joint Bell. He guaranteed he's gonna rush for 1,200 yards, Trevor. I feel good about it. Yates, by the way, wants us to know that Sonny was a hothead who got himself killed. Michael was much smarter, so I guess it would be a fiction. It'd be a, it'd be better. It'd be good if you were compared to Michael Corleone and not Sonny, I, I suppose. Okay, well, I say fiction either way. Okay. I, I'm not a big Godfather guy, and Yates is, so he, he, I will have to trust his opinion on that one. I hear some interesting news as, as we're done with the Friday for five. I thought there was something else I wanted to get to, but I, I can't remember it. Uh, the You know the... The USL team in Louisville, the the you know Louisville, the USL team. They wear purple. Oh yeah, yeah. Have, I, I, you threw me off on USL for a second. I was like, "What's the USL?" You're talking about okay, soccer. Okay. They, they don't they don't have a they don't have a mascot, so I can't call them. Uh, They're the we'll Purple just, Haze. We'll, we'll call them the Louisville Eleven. They're the Purple Haze. A new rival could be coming, Trevor. Cincinnati announced that they're going to have a USL team for 2016. I'll bring them on. Screw Cincinnati. Cincinnati and Memphis are two cities I wouldn't, you know what, on if they were on fire. <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, so I had some people ask me, and I've had to ask around too, um, and, I, and I feel like I've got an answer for it. This USL going to Cincinnati, and there's one in St. Louis now. And any team that has a USL team, especially in a city that uh, you know is top 30, in attendance, they're going to want to turn that into an MLS team, and rightfully so. You understand it. It's it's a bigger league, more attention, more money. Uh, 
So with Cincinnati getting a team, a lot of people have said, is that going to hurt Louisville's chances? And at the surface, you'd say, actually, yeah, probably would. Uh, that's uh, just down the road. It's a bigger market. They've shown that they can support professional teams. Why wouldn't the MLS want to go to Cincinnati? Uh, but that's just at the surface. And, and there's a really easy answer why this doesn't affect Louisville whatsoever with Cincinnati getting a, a USL team. There's a, a MLS team in Columbus, Trevor, and they're not going to put two MLS teams in small markets. Uh, yeah, small markets within you know two hours of one another. So I still think the, the dream of Louisville getting an MLS team is still alive and well. They're second in the USL in attendance. Uh, they're second in the USL in terms of standings. They're having a, a hell of a season. There's still talks of getting a new soccer-specific stadium. So the addition of a USL team in Cincinnati does nothing for Louisville except give you a new rival for the remaining years that you're in the USL before you make the jump to the MLS. And like you said, Trevor, it's uh, it's Cincinnati. People from Louisville don't like people from Cincinnati and vice versa. This will this will make Louisville's USL season much more entertaining. Yeah, this, this rivalry makes more sense to me than St. Louis. Because I, 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 I don't understand the, the concept of why St. Louis would be a rival – being the fact it's probably the closest, I guess, USL franchise to Louisville, maybe. I mean, only being only four and a half, five hours away. But, I mean, have you ever met anybody that, that's a fan of a Louisville or even Kentucky that's ever said anything bad about St. any team in St. Louis or the city itself? I mean, it, it's if anything, it, it's brought us joy by watching Clark Griswold get lost in East St. Louis. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I've not, that, that one I never understood. St. Louis has never been that city that where you're like, I mean, I know people don't like the Cardinals. Cardinal fans, maybe, i.e. St. Louis Cardinal fans. But I'm outside that, I've never really had any ill will towards the city of St. Louis. So I found that it was kind of a weird rivalry. Cincinnati just makes much more sense to me. You never hated the Billikens? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I've never been never a, a Billiken fan. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Louisville City FC Damn takes on Larry Hughes. <laughs> they take on Tulsa tomorrow. Heading to Tulsa, and speaking of St. Louis, while we're on the subject, is yeah, I, I agree with you for those same reasons. I, I, it was only it was the reason that they became Louisville's rivals because they were the closest team. They both were coming in the USL fresh as as rookie clubs this season. Uh, now that you have Cincinnati, maybe you can push St. Louis to the side. And, and we have Jason Ince on to talk from the Louisville Coopers to talk about Louisville City FC. And I I, I love what the Louisville Coopers have done. They've brought more attention to soccer here in Louisville. They do great stuff, and I don't mean this as a, you know, I'm not trying to be rude to them because I do like them, but they really, they remind me of Louisville in the UofL-UK rivalry with how they are in the St. Louis-Louisville soccer rivalry. They're always talking about them. They're always tweeting them. They're always trying to get their attention, and we are drastically better than they are. We're better in attendance. We're a better team. We've beaten them twice, or I guess only once, but tied them twice, uh, beat them in the first game of the year. It's it's punching down, and I don't like it, Trevor. I think if you are rivals with somebody, the thing that you can do to piss them off the most or make them the most upset is ignore them. And we are constantly bringing St. Louis up when they're really bad. It just kind of bugs me. And, yeah, I've yeah, seen you on Twitter uh, vent about this before. Yeah, it, it's that the if you want to get in your rival's skin, act like you're not rivals with them. 
just act like you're better than them. And that makes them really, really upset. And that's what I think they should do there. Uh, but they're going to play again tomorrow. Hopefully, Louisville can come away with a win. And then they're going to have three straight home games, including one, four straight home games, rather, including one against an MLS team in Orlando City for a friendly. So exciting times for soccer here in Louisville. We're out of time today. I'll keep you all updated on my draft this weekend. I know a few of you have texted in saying they, they, wanted, they want some updates. I'll be happy to do it's that. It's like watching a car wreck on the expressway driving by. Can't look away. It'll be a good time. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. We'll be back on Monday, 1450, the Sports Bus. See you then. Show them how Kentucky do Oprah Freaks Classics Paint Kentucky Blue They say don't forget 2-7 No be hitting 2 So I'll call it blue Grass So I'll call it purple I'ma call it home Take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap And take 2 to the dome Ride from the bill To BG in my zone Let me hear you say High time Sitting by the river Got my old shotgun Fishing pole in my liquor Cause people always Trying to tell me How to run my life When they say I'm doing wrong And I swear I'm doing right Come on. High time Sitting by the River, got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Say it's time to take a trip to where the grass is blue and peep how the mere south do. Come on, it's okay.